and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be breaking down the Thunder's latest game against the Atlanta Hawks, a bit of a high school reunion between Trey Young and Lindy Waters in that game, how both of those guys performed, and really how everybody performed. And then I'm going to round it all out with some more OKC Blue updates. Today is the big day for playoff standings. They basically need to win here, but a lot of different dominoes need to fall. So I'll be breaking that down in addition to the Hawks game, and I'll be giving you a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that. But starting things out here, the Atlanta Hawks game. OKC is fresh off of the overtime thriller against the Blazers. Roby drops 30 points. Wiggins has 28 points. Everybody's really eating there. And in clutch time, they all showed up. Drew Eubanks had nothing on him. You know, let's just call it how it is. But they go back to the Paycom Center to to face the Hawks, who do not have John Collins in this game. They got Clint Capella and Trey Young, of course. And they're looking to pick up a W. They're in kind of the midst of that, like, giant clump in the Eastern Conference right now. So they really want to establish some seeding. For the Thunder, you know, they're playing competitively, of course, but there's no playoff aspirations. They are out of the race. So it's just not going to be in the cards for them. But you kick this game off, and you can sell who the playoff team is like immediately Atlanta gets out to a double digit lead within the first five minutes and they never looked back they made this look like a shoot around through the first 20 or through the first 12 minutes hell you can make it 20 if you want but through the first 12 yeah they were certain their dominance they posted 42 points to OKC's 24 24 points for the Thunder, you know it is what it is. Everybody has kind of those bad eggs you'll drop, but you cannot allow 42 points on the flip side. That's almost a 20-point deficit they gave out there, and Trey Young nearly outscored the Thunder anyways. He had 19 points in the first quarter, went 6 of 8 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, and had 4 assists to go along with it. So in reality here, he accounted for more points than the Thunder scored at all in the first quarter so he was the one-man show of course DeAndre Hunter looked good with seven points but collectively they got to that number and they shot 15 of 19 to get there that's 78.9 percent went five of eight from three and seven of eight from the free throw line OKC or really any team won't be able to match up with that you know that is like a open shoot around type of statistic you'll find on Atlanta's end OKC shot in the high 30s in the first quarter, 3 of 10 from distance and hardly got to the line. Lindy, though, led the Thunder in scoring with 8 in that first quarter. He had a really nice introduction coming off as the 6th man. But you're already down 18. You're hoping to get your head above water. And it did not happen either in the second quarter. And defensively, you could argue this one was actually worse uh, for OKC. They allowed 43 points this time. Now, they didn't shoot 78, damn near 79% from the field. They're pretty close. 14 of 28 and 7 of 11 from distance. They shot 63.8% from deep range in the second quarter. Trey Young had 11 points. 
Bogdan Bogdanovich had 12 points. And off the bench, Kevin Knox had 12 as well. Three double-digit scorers came in that second quarter alone for the Hawks. And when you look at what the full body of work was for OKC through 12 minutes, they didn't even have three people in double, double figures. They had Lindy with 14, and Aaron Wiggins had 10 points. So it was not looking good. They had 58 by halftime for OKC. But on the flip side, the Hawks had 85 points. That is the most points the Hawks have scored in a half in franchise history. And for the Thunder, that's the most points they have allowed in a half in franchise history. Prior to that point, their highest total had been 82 against the Indiana Pacers. This was like O'Shea Brissett's masterclass. I remember when this happened. I was freaking out because whenever O'Shea was in the G League, I loved him. And I, I was waiting to see that breakthrough. He did it against the Thunder, which, you know, obviously you want to see uh, the Thunder perform well. But man, um, kind of the, the way that everything was last year. You kind of just had to give your credit to O'Shea. He played great. Lots of other stories came out of that game as well. I think they won by like 40 or 50 points. So it was not great for OKC. Uh, and, and this first half definitely was not great either. Down 27 points going into the third quarter. And you did have one good player in Lindy. Like I mentioned, Aaron Wiggins, he was actually three of three going in a half. But if you're allowing the Hawks to shoot 62% from the floor and 63% from distance, that's a problem. They went 12 of 19 in the first half and 15 of 16 from the free throw line. Trey Young already had his 30 piece as well. So maybe you get a miraculous comeback, but the way this game was going, it was all Atlanta Hawks. There's probably a higher probability of them losing by 40 than there is, you know, cutting it down to single digits yet again. And once you got into that third quarter, you started to see them come down to earth a little bit. Uh, now, I think to begin, Atlanta was actually like on pace to set the best three-point shooting game of the season. They were like 64% in the middle of the third, but they ended up coming down. They shot only three of 11 on triples and OKC took advantage. They actually outscored the Hawks 31-30 to in the third. And this is where you got a little bit more action from Lindy. Teo was getting some shots up. Nobody scored more than six, though, for OKC in the frame. So it was just like the whole body of work uh, mustered up that point total. For the Hawks, you just had to kind of lay back and all reliable again. Trey Young had 11. He was up to 41 points through three quarters and there was no point in playing him in the fourth because this is still a 26 point margin we're talking about here time to throw in your bench unit kind of see how they work out you don't want to get Trey Young injured if you don't have to this was not a competitive game going into the home stretch and even though OKC put up a valiant effort they started cutting it down inside 20 points I think it got down to like 16 at some point they lost by 18 136 to 118 all things considered, this was a very good end result for OKC. This was kind of teetering on those like mega blowouts where we're talking 30 to 40 points. They kind of kept their cool, you know, going into halftime. They didn't let anything uh, kind of get to them. And, you know, they were able, able to really finish this fourth quarter strong here 
almost outscoring the Hawks by double digits to, you know, get something going into tomorrow's game against the Pistons. But yeah, I mean, this is just how it is, right? Like if you are playing a superstar in Trey Young with this current Thunder team, with no SGA, with no Lou Dort, it's going to be an issue. Defensively, they have been sacrificing a little bit with everybody out. Offensively, they've been doing great. Simply put though, it's pretty difficult to match a player of Trey Young's caliber and they just didn't have that firepower on them last night. So they're 22 and 54 on the season right now, two games back of Detroit for the third best lottery odds. It's obviously where they would like to be going into the lottery night. And there's going to be a pivotal matchup against the Pistons tomorrow at the Paycom. 7 p.m. is when you can catch that one. But I want to talk a little bit more about this Atlanta Hawks game, some of the top performers, and what we saw between Trey Young and Lindy Waters, the third. But first, I want to let you guys know about a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like who will make it to the next round and who will hit the most three-pointers. Then track your results. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus age requirement. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. But guys... Going back on track here with what we saw in last night's game. What a performance by the Atlanta Hawks. They led by as much as 34 in this one. Wire to wire victory for them. And, you know, if they kept Trey Young out for that final quarter, he very well could have broken his career high. 56 was the number to beat. He posted 41 in three quarters. Barely cracked 30 minutes on this game so he was really good and technically it was a shade below 30 minutes but the efficiency was ridiculous 13 of 24 from the field 4 of 12 from 3 but it didn't matter because he got inside whenever he wanted 11 of 12 from the free throw line and he almost got a double double with eight assists to go along with it Pair up with Young's performance. Ended up having DeAndre Hunter with 19 points. Kevin Huerter had 20. Bogdanovich had 20. And Kevin Knox had 17 points in 18 minutes. And here's the thing with Kevin Knox. Like, even after getting traded to Atlanta, he doesn't really play that much. Like, he's in the back end of the rotation. He was able to get some time because of not just a few injuries here and there, uh, but... 
due to, you know, playing the Thunder. They were up big uh, going into half, and he got to play a little bit in that second frame. Like I said, he posted 12 there. 17 points is the second most he's recorded this season. So that was one of the more impressive outings that he was able to post. Anyeka Okongwu, he posted 13 rebounds and only had three points, but you know, if you remember the Chino Hills days, he's kind of meant as like just that traditional five, get the rebound and get things going on the other end. Did an excellent job there. And Timothy Luawu Cabarro actually got the starting nod in the game, playing his former team in the OKC Thunder. And he had 10 points. I checked this out. The most points that he has scored in a Thunder jersey was actually 12. And he didn't play that much for OKC. I think it was maybe like 20 games, something around that ballpark area. But, you know, he almost actually pa- passed that. And that very well could have been the most points he scored at the Paycom slash Chesapeake Energy Arena. Like, anyway, you want to cut the naming rights on that one. But really complete game for the Hawks. 46% from three, 91% from the free throw line. And OKC just could not contest them just due to all the offense they brought to the table. And for OKC, they actually did great on offense again. This has been a really good bright spot for them. They've been abysmal from downtown this year. Let's just call it how it is. Lately, though, they have been tapping into the high 30s and even into the 40% from distance. They did exactly that in this game. They shot 17 of 41 from range. That's 41.5%. As for everything else, kind of middle of the road. But there were some impressive performances sprinkled in there. None of them top Lindy Waters' though. He finished the game with a career-high 25 points in 33 minutes, 9 of 15 from the field, and 7 of 13 from downtown. That ties a Thunder rookie record. Now it's a three-way tie. Poku is in the mix. Trey Mann's in the mix. And now you tack on Lindy Waters the third to the board. And one, like extremely nitpicky stat that I pulled up uh, yesterday was that with this for regular season statistics uh, for Thunder franchise history he's actually tied now for the most points recorded by an undrafted rookie in a game knotted with Josh Hall coming from that highly acclaimed Los Angeles Clippers performance closing the year out strong with that that victory Hall had 25, Lindy had 25. Technically, Lou Dort is number one in this category because he had a 30-piece against the Houston Rockets in game seven of the first round, but it's really weird how NBA stats work, just like the way they log them. That one doesn't really count. Like, I remember going into Lou's sophomore season, they had 23 points as his career high. And that was just not the case. Like his career high was 30 points. He had 30 points in game seven. Let's count that. And the way I view it, like if you're doing it in the playoffs, it's even more significant. You want to put it out there, but they don't even advertise it as like a regular season stat. They just say, no, his career high is 23 points. No, it's not. I don't know why it's been that way, but under those parameters, it does make Lindy's (laughs) Lindy's game look really nice in franchise history. Really though, he's in a two-way tie for second now, but great game for Lindy. I mean, you know, when the blue got him, 
it was interesting. Like, he didn't really play summer league ball anywhere. He was playing for the Enid Outlaws last summer. Looked like he was going to play overseas. Backed out of the contract and was basically like the 12th man on the OKC Blue roster. He wasn't getting time in the Winter Showcase Cup. You had Rob Edwards playing extremely well. Michael Benajay was there. And there just wasn't really enough room on the rotation for like a 2-3 wing. The way I'd compare him would be like to Bill Booth last year for the Blue, where he signed midseason, so it's a bit different. But he didn't play until like the last two games. And he almost secured them a playoff spot. He had like 15 points and was insanely clutch. That's kind of the Lindy story, where he started at the bottom. Whenever minutes kind of came about, though, he took advantage. And unlike Booth, who got his season really just cut short, like he only had one good game. It was game number 15 out of 15, and then he called it quits. Lindy, you know, had like 30-plus regular season G League games he could partake in, and he didn't even utilize all of them. He probably played like 10 regular season games this year, and all he did was just dominate from downtown. Shot about 54% on threes. Doesn't matter if it was like a flyby, off ball, he was great at creating. On the ball, he was looking solid. His transition pull-up was really hitting its peak. And, you know, OKC brought him on. It's been a very good success story for him because coming out of Oklahoma State, four seasons, it didn't seem like there would be an NBA market for him. Now he's gotten the opportunity and it's not just one of those things where, you know, the Thunder are handing out a contract to a hometown kid, right? Like like he's from Norman. He went to Stillwater. He's been in Oklahoma all his life. It doesn't matter. He's proven that he is a valuable player and his shooting could really get him somewhere. I think the current construction is that he's going to be on a two-way deal next season as well. So that means there's going to be a lot more development here. And with games like this, it makes you think like, does he fit in the future mold? OKC has always needed off-ball shooters. Lindy has done that, and arguably, he's been the best one on the team this year. So, great stuff. I mean, this just exemplifies everything that he's put into, not just this season, but really, you know, his whole pro career. And, you know, it shows the power of Norman North, actually, too, because he was there. Trey Young was his teammate, Young drops 41, Lindy drops 25, they shared a hug after the game, and Lindy mentioned like they really haven't shared many conversations past high school, but they had a brief discussion after the fact, and obviously both of them are happy for each other and where they currently uh, stand in things. I know they had some like Bedlam matches as well spliced in there, so they do have some history um, playing against each other as well, but yeah, Lindy easily the greatest takeaway from the game I mean he was just feeling it not just from distance but even inside too he was able to uh, penetrate around the basket and then you had a well-rounded cut for points this is the second game in a row where we've seen six or more people uh, tapping at double digits I think there was a seven point performance like that maybe two games ago as well but Lindy led with 25 then another bench piece and Olivier Saar had a career high with 17 points and 9 rebounds. 6 of 9 from the field. Beautiful face-up game in the mid-range. And, you know, he's more of like that old-school center. He's not going to wow you with his athleticism. Now, posters are definitely in the bag. I mean, he tore down Santa Cruz's rim back in January. But, 
you know, mainly you'll see him maybe like an Al Horford type where he's not that mobile, but you know, he can sneak out to like 16 feet out and pop it. And that's what he did really well in this game. Teo had another good one. He had 18 points on eight of 14 shooting, eight assists to go along with it. Aaron Wiggins had 13, Poku had 13, and Isaiah Roby had 14 points on the game. So it was a good offensive effort. Just couldn't keep up on on both sides. And they get a shot, a good shot to win tomorrow against Detroit. It doesn't matter here, but Detroit actually beat the Hawks by 20 plus last week. New slate. And given how OKC has played the last week or so, you can't rule out any end results uh, in a potential equation. So it'll be good. City night, it might be the last of the season actually for the Thunder. And tickets are going to be pretty cheap. I'm going to be going there. I think it only cost me about $4 to get in. So good stuff um, from from all that. And I'm excited to see Cade play his first game at the Paycom Center. But moving on to G League news. I talked about it in yesterday's pod, just only talked blue. And I love doing it, guys. Like going off track a bit. If you want like a blue exclusive pod, let me know because I'm so excited with this roster and it's not a great time to be saying this the the season's done um but it's been a fun team it's been a great team the past two seasons I've covered them uh, and then there's always some new stories that kind of emerge in the the league in its like entirety but you know right now they're in that home stretch and it's worth talking about they have two more games left they play the Iowa Wolves tonight and then they finish them off tomorrow, and they are in the playoff hunt. They need to win both of their games in order to make the playoffs. Technically, they can split this set against Iowa, but the odds are going to be pretty bad. They're one game behind the Stockton Kings for the sixth seed. Only the top six seeds make it in each conference, and they're in a three-way tie for seventh. Memphis and Santa Cruz are the other competitors. However, because OKC has played 35 games, if they win out, they actually trump what Santa Cruz or Memphis could do. And it does give an edge in regards to what the Stockton Kings could record as well. So the big game, OKC is going to be facing the Iowa Wolves tonight at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. ESPN Plus is where you are going to find that game High stakes battle. Xavier Simpson and Jamias Ramsey are the guys that I'm going to highlight. A lot of very lethal scores on this blue team, though. Rob Edwards or Jaworski can always pop off. And, you know, for Iowa's camp, if Nathan Knight is playing, that's scary. He's been on assignment with the Timberwolves. So if he gets, you know, sent back down for this game, that is going to be very interesting to watch. If Knight's not there, look at Leandro Balmaro and recently acquired Melvin Frazier Jr. Played the last two seasons with the Blue. He was my favorite. I think if you were going to tell me to begin the season or after the Winter Showcase Cup, who I would sign on a 10-day hardship exception, Melvin Frazier Jr. definitely would have been in my top three. Love him as a prospect. I think the Orlando Magic really didn't give him the light of day and kind of just ruined his rookie years. But He's been doing well with Iowa, and he could definitely go off either today or tomorrow night. Now, 
This isn't the only thing you need to watch, though, as Blue fans. You have to look at the Stockton Kings. They have that game advantage, like I mentioned, and if they win both games, they clinch their spot in the playoffs. Tonight is the big night. They're playing the Birmingham Squadron, who are fourth in playoff seeding, and even though they've clinched it, if they lose... They could drop to the fifth seed, and then they'd be playing a team that has 20-plus wins on the year. Don't want to be caught in that crossfire. So they probably in all likelihood want to stay in that fourth seed, and they will be having to contend because this is two playoff-caliber teams out here. Birmingham needs to win if you are a Blue fan because if Stockton wins out, it's wraps. Stockton finishes the season on Saturday, and they do so against the Western Conference's worst. Carson Edwards is leading the Salt Lake City Stars right now. That's the, the team at the bottom right now. And he's been killing it. He's averaging almost 27 points per game. But defensively, Salt Lake City has not been there all season. I think they're second worst. And they've been hovering around dead last all year in defense. And that could be a problem, you know. So uh, you have to kind of look at this Birmingham game and really hope this is the one that they drop. Because if we're going based on probability, there's a higher chance that Stockton loses their game today than they lose to Salt Lake City. That's just how it goes. So those are the two games to look at. Santa Cruz and Memphis are obviously in the cards here, but they play tomorrow. Don't have to worry about them. And OKC needs to address the task at hand. If you lose today, there is that very tiny chance, but Birmingham would have to win tonight. Salt Lake City, I think they also have to win, and that is a lot of pressure uh, to be putting on them, and OKC still has to split that series, so basically has to be a 2-0 sweep against Iowa, and you got to root against the Stockton Kings. Tomorrow, I'm going to be covering all of this, breaking down what it means for the OKC Blue, some of the top performers from their game, and I'll be just talking about Stockton as well, man, making this OKC Blue week as well as the Thunder content. know some of you guys really enjoy some of the G League stuff, and you know, I do too, so it works out very, very well. But other than that though, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.